Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Leyline Junction, a metaphysics podcast. Later this hour, you will hear us talking about... A lot of pop culture up to now has kind of portrayed Tarot as this mystical, dark woman living in a van with all these bangles on and fortune telling, and this is exactly what's going to happen, and they're predicting the future. And I think it is becoming a lot more more understood as a guidance rather than a definitive. All that and more coming up this hour. Welcome to the Leyline Junction. Greetings, listeners. Welcome to the very first episode, full-length episode of Leyline Junction, a metaphysics podcast. Uh, hi, I'm your host, Jeff. Uh, with me on the show today, I have two very good friends of mine. I have Teresa and Joanne. Uh, in the past, if I have had any questions about tarot, um, these are the two people I've always gone to. Uh, would you like to introduce yourselves real quickly, Teresa? Hi, I'm Teresa. Um, I have been attracted to the metaphysical for you know all my life. I think I started finally picking up tarot in my late teens. Um, although growing up, that was a little bit suppressed because of uh, the religion that I was raised in. Um, loosened the reins a lot once I, you know, as I grew up and I've gone on from there to, uh, also learn Reiki. I'm a Reiki master and I also read Akashic records, maybe a little bit of channeling and a little bit of mediumship as well. And Joanne? I'm Joanne. Uh, I have been doing tarot for, uh, a long time. I had a great grandmother who taught me, uh, and now I do for friends and family. That's me. Thank you. Uh, I myself have my own areas of expertise within metaphysics, but uh, for the purposes of this show, um, tarot is not one of those. We're going to try and approach this uh, from a learning standpoint, uh, but hopefully we're going to get in depth enough that somebody who is more experienced with this will still find some use in here. So with that, uh, we are going to jump right into talking about the cards themselves. Um, I want to do a deep dive here, and I would like to start with the aces. Now, in doing that, I know we're kind of skipping over a lot of things, but we are going to go ahead and jump right into the aces. And for everything that we do seem to be skipping over, we are going to cover all of that uh, just in little flashes here and there while we're talking about the cards and perhaps some dedicated episodes later on. 
based on the numerology, uh, our aces tend to stand for new beginnings, new opportunities. Uh, they can also refer to the individual, the self. But looking at the ace of wands, uh, the Ace of Wands is fairly specific in that it talks about a new beginning. Uh, and since our wands are our suit of inspiration or creativity, this is probably a new project, a new creative endeavor, a new beginning for a creative outlet. So that would be kind of our textbook interpretation of the card. Joanne, Teresa, I wanted to ask you, do you have any uh, maybe deeper associations with this or personal associations with this card? So for me, it's always been because of the, the way you see that walk, it looks like a walking stick. Just, you know, to me, it's a new adventure, a new, you know, you see the the hills and you see like that little castle in the background and to me that that's what is always symbolized it's just a new adventure so yeah i think with the creative side as well it, it's a very good pairing so for me the ace of wands i do like joanne's reference to it as a walking stick it's like a new journey the like the new beginning is like a new journey um for example when I moved to Boston, this, uh, this popped up that, you know, you're, you're going on a journey. It's a new opportunity. You're kind of taking it firmly. Like if you look at the card, you see that it's blooming, it's, um, growing leaves on it. It's producing, it's, um, a, a productive opportunity. There's a lot of potential. Thank you. Now, I do have some information here on in my notes about reversed meanings, um, but the two of you kind of have your own philosophy on this. Uh, can you talk to us quickly about reversed meanings, what that means to you when they become important and how you look at them? So for me, and I think Joanne is similar in this regard, I don't shuffle that I don't shuffle my deck in such a way that it would automatically reverse cards. I, I try to keep them facing the same way. So, so, but sometimes a card will flip itself either through shuffling it haphazardly, maybe a little bit, or it falls out. Maybe it falls out and it's upside down, like the way that it falls onto the table or onto the cloth if you read it over a special cloth that you wrap your cards in. Like one of my decks, I do that. But uh, typically, I don't, I don't attempt to read them in reverse, like as a as a norm. So, uh, I think a lot of people do. But uh, the people, some, several of the people that I have spoken to, and one of them, she said, I don't teach people to read in reverse unless they like to be frustrated. <laughs> so I, I took that as a green light to keep doing what I'm doing and read them, read them uh, face up unless 
one card, you know, unless a card happens to flip itself, then I personally feel that that is an emphasis on that card and that meaning. So would it be correct for me to say that when it does appear reversed, we're just, we're paying special attention to it? We're being careful about it? Is that? I think that it depends on what that message is. It's going to vary, of course, between, you know, swords, cups, ace, or wands and uh, pentacles. But I think I might even to clarify if I'm not getting a strong feeling or reading about it, I might flip over, flip over another card on top of it to see if it will give me a little more context or add a little more richness to the, to the messaging. Joanne, anything to add to that? Um, so I do agree with Teresa. The, every card has a meaning, every card, you know, I think one for me when a card reverses itself, it you, it does have more meaning. You need to listen to it, and that's why for me I, I prefer not to shuffle without having all my cards facing the, the one way. Moving on then to the Ace of Cups, the suit of cups being our suit of emotion, uh, of nurturing. This card is still representative of a new beginning. Uh, so like following the aces, but in this case, it tends to be thought of as a new relationship, perhaps a romantic relationship. Again, Joanne and Teresa, do you have anything that was a very brief definition, a brief interpretation of this card, anything that you can add to that? So for me, it's also a very maternal card, just with the dove and the cup and the, the very, very, you know, feminine looking pose. And, and just as a mom, you know, to me, you know, the cup starting to overflow and everything. It's, you know, it, to me, it's always represented something a little more maternal on your mom, you know, uh, that type of beginning and in new life. I I would agree with that somewhat. I do think that it can venture into romantic love, but as a more unconditional true love rather than an, an infatuation. So it's it's a more mature love. It's It's not like... I know we'll get to the two of cups, but to me, the two of cups is more of an infatuation. Yes, it's a love card. It's definitely a love card. It's a romantic card. But to me, the the ace of cups is a stronger love, a more unconditional and true love. It's also uh, given. It's it's more of a new be beginning that's given. Whereas with the the wands, you notice that the hand is holding it. It's grabbing it. And here it's presenting, the hand is presenting the cup. So it's a little more of a, an offering rather than a, a taking, if that makes sense. Moving on to the Ace of Swords. I have some notes here that talk about 
the Ace of Swords representing a new beginning specifically with new ideas and new perspectives, uh, new ways of thinking about things, new ways of seeing things. Um, anything that you might want to add to that in terms of a textbook definition? Um, no, it actually does make sense. It typically does mean a new beginning, like something piercing through. Um, I also see it as something that like, you know, can pierce an idea. If you think of it that way. Teresa, anything to add there? For textbook? That sounds about right. <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk about personal observations. What is what does the Ace of Swords mean to you? I know, for me, it doesn't. When it comes up or when it has, it means either like a victory, so um, you got that promotion at work, or you know, it's something that you've been working for that you've been able to achieve. That's what I've always seen it come up as. Um, for me, it's like a a victory, uh, winning an argument, cutting through the garbage. I don't know what words we can use here, but you know, it's my it's my cutting through any nonsense kind of card and just getting straight to, you know, it's um paving the way uh to your goal is what the what the swords stands for for me similar to the wands where um you take initiative but more um logically more um brain power in a way as opposed to um willpower if that makes sense so to me the swords the ace of swords um is about cutting through obstacles, cutting through garbage, cutting through nonsense, and getting straight to the point and straight to your goal. Yeah. Straight to the point, no pun intended. <laughs> okay. And so you you mentioned briefly how this differed from the wand. Any do we want to add cups back into the mix? What what distinguishes the sword from the cups? I mean, it's not at all touchy feely. Whereas, you know, the oh, no. cups the cups are all about emotion. Um, this is all brain. This is all. It's a very straightforward. Blunt. Yeah, it's very There's... pragmatic. Yeah. There's no emotion involved. It is all logic. It is all straightforward. Okay, and let's let's go ahead and quickly move on to the Ace of Pentacles, and then once we've got that, I'd like to talk about the Aces. Um, as a family together. But my notes here are suggesting uh, that in terms of like a textbook definition, uh, the Ace of Pentacles refers to a new beginning in the sense of uh, financial position, setting out in a new direction financially. What would you add to that? It's definitely for me when it pops up, it's um, potential for promotion at work or a new position or a new job altogether. I mean, whether or not it's at that same company in that same team or at a completely different company or a different industry even, but it's to me, it's the beginning of 
um, it's the beginning of a new financial journey as it says in that, but like, to me, that's, it's very job related. It's very skill centered. Um, but also could be a hobby becoming lucrative, um, you know, earning money from another source. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're one source of income that you're switching that maybe it's an added, like, Oh, I, um, started start... a podcast. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I wasn't going to go, you know, too tongue in cheek, but um, yeah, that or, you know, I'm going to start making Reiki charged soaps and selling them at farmers markets and see how that pans mm-hmm. out. I mean, you know, it's, it could be any, any job or side job, anything that brings you money that's new. Okay. And how about, again, any personal associations, personal observations, anything that where you might see this card differently uh, than, say, the textbook would let on. I think it can can also come up as the idea. It's like the first idea you have for your lucrative idea that will bring that money. That's what I've always seen it as. But that's what I see the aces overall as, which we'll so, discuss. So, how would you? distinguish if we're if we're talking about ideas um Mm -hmm. and we already said that the ace of swords was connected to inspiration and ideas like that um so what does distinguish the ace of pentacles from say the swords i think pentacles has always been the seed as a seed it's the seed that's planting the idea the sword is actually okay here's how we're going to get to that idea Thank you. So we've we've been talking about uh, these aces, and we've kind of touched already on other cards that have similar themes. Um, so if if I can group the aces together, and I know I'm being overly simplistic here, uh, mm-hmm. but can we just say it's the beginning of a new journey? Absolutely. So yep. we know that there are other cards in the deck that represent new journeys. Um, certainly, if we're looking at the major arcana, you know, we've got the Fool, and we're, we're going to talk about all these cards later. Um, but, you know, there's the Fool, there's Death, which does represent a turning point and a new beginning, as well as the ending of the old. Um, so where where would you say the aces stand out? What makes this new beginning different from other new beginnings that might come up throughout the deck? I think that um, for me, the aces are very hopeful cards. Whereas, you know, as you mentioned, death, that incorporates the ending as well as the beginning. So there's a grief in that, you know, there's a grief in letting go of something in order to change paths or, or in order to build something new. Whereas the aces to me are like, they're more like opportunities that pop up that you can grab onto if you wish, but they're not necessarily forcing an end to something else in order to do it. Um, I mean, ultimately you may have to, like if you decide to take a job in Boston, for example, you are going to have to let go (laughs) of where you are living currently. So, um, but to me, it's more of a um, a green light rather than, you know, caution. Not yeah. caution. No, it's it's just it's more hopeful to me than mm-hmm. 
then for your example, the death card. And as far as like the fool, that one's almost like a, it, it can be reckless. Whereas these are a little more planned. I mean, it, it, they're, they're a little bit more um, structured rather Deliberate. than exactly. Mm-hmm. You, you did mention these being positive. I was, I was thinking as we were talking about the Ace of Cups and new relationships that there's going to be this whole population of listeners out there uh, with social anxieties that are suddenly terrified of the Ace of Cups. <laughs> uh, so can you can you help us out in um, in in what ways should we see the Ace as a positive force as opposed to you know some of the other examples that you mentioned? But well, because you always still have the choice. Um, it's it's that this potential is crossing your path. It's still up to you whether you want to to grab it. It's what it's up to you whether you want to pick up that wand and go on that journey, or pick up that sword and cut through to your goal, or pick up that cup and toast a new date, or pick up that coin and start a new job. Like it's up to you if you want to do it. This is all potentialities. Like um, to me, tarot is not so much quote unquote fortune telling as we you know see in movies and such. And I think it is becoming a lot more more understood as a guidance rather than a definitive. A lot of pop culture up to now has kind of portrayed tarot as this mystical. Um, you know, magical, you know, dark woman living in a van with all these bangles on and fortune telling, and this is exactly what's going to happen. And they're predicting the future. Whereas I think that really the essence, the the truer essence of tarot is as a tool to give you potentials. Like there's a strong potential for this job to be a good fit or there's a strong potential for you to struggle, you know, depending on what the cards are saying. I think that it is a tool, especially for beginners who are interested in metaphysical um, things and tools and ideas that maybe haven't had a mentor up to now or haven't really explored it very much. I think that this is a great tool to begin to speak with your guides or angels or God or whatever you want to call the higher power, maybe your higher self. But I think that using these as a tool to get pictures or ideas that you can flip over and get a little more of a concrete message as opposed to just direct channeling, like, was that my idea or was that a message? You know, I I think that it focuses a little bit more for people that are especially just starting out. And yeah, and tarot is just what, if you continue down the road, as you do now, as you are now, this is what could be happening, not what will happen no matter what, you still have time. And and as someone who, I'm terrified of any new relationship, I have no desire, if this, if Ace of Cups came up, I would probably be like, burn it. But it could be, if I desire to take that step, um, you know, that I have that opportunity. Here's what will happen if I take the opportunity. Thank you. So as as a whole, as a family, 
you know, we've we've already covered the aces being this new opportunity, new idea, new relationship, this the beginning of a journey. Um I I wanted to ask you uh in terms of numerology, um, when we look at ones uh from other numerology theory, uh it is frequently a new beginning, a new job. Um, but it also refers to the self. Uh, and I know that when we get into next week's episode, uh, when we talk about the twos, we're going to talk about duologies. Uh, we're going to talk about binaries and pairs and all that's all the same thing, right? Um, so if we are coming at it from a numerology perspective, um, where does the self kind of fit into all this? Um, I imagine that you know, in the the times that we are currently living in, um, a lot of people are taking the opportunity to take care of themselves. Uh, for they are taking the opportunity for the self love, the self investment, mm -hmm. uh, the considering themselves. Uh, you know, above everything else, is there some element of that in the aces? Would this be saying, like for the pentacles, now is the time to spoil yourself? Or in the case of cups, now is the time to work on that idea of self-love? Uh, what position might that have with the aces? I think you, you kind of said it, is that, you know, now is the time for you to do, you know, self-care, self-love which we, you know, let's face it. Yeah, we are in a time where more people are taking care of themselves and putting themselves first, which is great, but it could be, this is now my time for an adventure. This is my time for that idea. This is my time for that growth. So this does bring us to kind of another question. And I'm assuming that this is something that we're going to talk about uh, many times in the future. You've already said that much of the meaning that you get from these cards is very much based on the cards around it, right? Where where these things are popping up. So if we find ourselves in a situation we where we are drawing our attention to the self or something like that, how much, you know, and again, keep in mind, this is a question being asked by and for somebody who's trying to learn the deck, um, how much of the reading does come from the textbooks that I've got in front of me? And how much of the reading should really come from your own intuition, how you're reading not only the card, but the situation and the um, the recipient of the reading? Is that, am I referring to that the right way? Um, I think in the beginning, it's a lot by the book. This is how you learn. You have to get acclimated to the cards by using them, by looking at the book. And then also, but I think that it's also important to practice it a lot with people who you feel safe kind of blowing things up with, you know, mm -hmm. um, where you don't worry about like so much what you're saying. It's more 
getting used to what this card means and also what I'm feeling from it. And it could be, it could differ from deck to deck too. One ace of, of pentacles is an ace of coins in another deck and could have a very different feel to it. It might go more, it might feel more employment based and a, another deck might feel more hobby based, for example. Um, I think that you should use the book whenever you feel like you should, and you should use your intuition when you feel that you should. But practice, it's all about like, ultimately it comes down to practicing and then feeling confident in the messages that you're receiving. And it's always whatever that first, whatever that first inclination is, that's the message. If that message is look at the book, then that's the message. Yeah, I think it's okay to, to I think it's 50-50, to be very honest. It, I think it's like a 50-50. In the beginning, never be afraid to use the book. Never be afraid to use that as your stopping, as your beginning point. Because as you learn, as you grow, that intuition starts to kick in where it's like, okay, yeah, you have the Ace of Pentacles. And that does mean that something's, you know, money is going to happen. But it, it sounds like it might be, you know, you might be paying into something or, or something along those lines. It, it depends on how you feel with the person you're giving the reading to, or even if you're doing it yourself. But it's, I think the textbook, most of the textbook um, definitions of the cards are very accurate. So, I mean, it's a good starting point, especially for a beginner. Never be afraid to use a book. But then, yeah, eventually you'll learn that intuition as you learn your cards. Because again, my Nightmare Before Christmas deck um, is going to give me a very different uh, reading than my deck I've been using for the past 30 years. You mentioned this Nightmare Before Christmas deck and, and you in the way you were <laughs> describing this, it seemed to behave a little differently. I know... Um, all the textbooks, I'm sitting here with like three textbooks in front of me as we're recording this, uh, and all three of these textbooks refer to elements found on uh, the Rider Waite and Smith deck. And I know that whenever people are learning, uh, that's typically what they start with. But how much of our reading should we base on the standard interpretation of the Rider Waite and Smith versus what pictures another deck might have? I was just looking at I have three three different decks open in front of me, and I was just looking at the differences between the different aces of cups. And with the Rider Waite, it does feel less personal to me. the The Rider Waite Ace of Cups is it just has a hand in it. So I'm not able to see a person's expression, their facial expressions. I'm not able to see um, body language that you might be able to see if there are people in in that card or in another card. There's a, a bird or a dove that is flying directly into the cup and it looks like it's got a communion wafer for those of us who were raised Christian or Catholic. So it's a little, to me, this is a little bit of a colder card than other aces of cups might be from other decks. I think, I think that 
the emotions that the pictures in a deck evoke in the reader are really important to take into account um, in addition to what the the textbook definition is. Another, the second card that I'm looking at is from the Good Karma Tarot by Carrie Ward. This is a brand new deck that I just saw recently and couldn't help myself but pick it up and buy it. And this one has a cup. It's a little cartoonish, but there are little heart-shaped flowers on it. The sun is shining down. The cup is overflowing. It looks very happy, but also very hopeful. It makes me kind of think of, you know, a a teenage girl drawing hearts on her notebook. You know, it, it kind of gives that that feel to me. It's warm and fuzzy. Even though there's no person in this particular card, it's a very hopeful card to me. And the way that I would read it would be, you know, good things are on the way. Good relationships are on the way, both romantic, both, you know, and friendship. There's also this third Ace of Cups from the Arthur or the Arthurian Legend Tarot by Anna Marie Ferguson. And I've actually had this deck. This is one of my first decks, maybe my first deck um, that I got. And in this Ace of Cups picture, there's a circle of women around a floating cup. And it's got a, a much more has much more of a community feel to it, you know, a sisterhood between the women and a collective goal between the two or between all of them. I don't know. There's seven of them, eight of them, something like that. And the, and the cup is called the Holy Grail, which makes sense with the Arthurian legend. This card has a different feel from the wire, uh, the writer weight and the good karma tarot. So I think it really does depend on the deck that you're drawn to for the reading that you're giving at that moment in time. I mean, it's also the naming of the decks, which are different. Yeah. So, so for example, like Nightmare Before Christmas, which A is my favorite movie. Yep. So that's why it's personal to me. But for example, we have the Ace of Needles, which correlates to the Ace of Swords. And it still means that creative idea, that, that very straightforward idea, but with the Nightmare Before Christmas, to me, with needles, because I do so, and it is, so if you, you know, the card is showing, you know, it's Sally's hand sewing up, and you have thread and everything. So to me, that's the creativity piece of it, but also the straightforwardness too. It's, it's sewing, it's very straightforward, black and white, but also, but also very that, creative. But also with that movie for you, it evokes certain memories. It's, yeah. it evokes certain feelings because it's very special to you in a lot of different ways. So if we are looking at a deck that may have special meaning to the reader, how much should we allow that to influence the reading? Are you ever concerned that a reading might come out skewed because of the choice of deck, uh, that you're automatically approaching it with a certain perspective, with a positive outlook on any of the cards that are coming? I don't think so. Uh, I think that I think that I'm drawn to a deck for I have more than one. So I think that based on what I'm drawn, what deck I'm drawn to, that is what is intended for that reading. And if a card is confusing to me or if I am concerned that I'm bleeding my own 
interpretations or my own like wants or desires into the reading, I'll pull a clarifying card and lay it on top just to get a little clarification. Like, okay, what exactly can you give a little more? There have been times when I've given, given readings, mostly to friends though, where I've pulled a card and I'm like, oh, that one's for me. (laughs) That one's not for you. Mm -hmm. That one's for me. I know that one's for me. So, I mean, that's something that you have to be really wary of. Like when you, if, if you're starting to form a personal attachment or insert too much of your own personal life into someone else's reading, you have to be able to recognize when it's yours and when it's theirs. I do think that that has a lot to do with the audience, the person that I'm reading for, because if it, for a friend, if I'm reading for them, we are intertwined, you know, our lives are intertwined. And often what we're talking about, we've already discussed in some, in some way. Now we're just getting another, you know, another opinion from the ether, from the universe, what have you. But I don't think that's ever really happened to me in a reading for a stranger or an acquaintance. I think that's more within the reading. But I do think also that as you become more proficient with reading the cards, as you get more familiar and you start acquiring more decks, that is inevitable. If you decide you really enjoy this and you want to keep going, anytime you see a deck you that you are drawn to, you'll think about it until you buy it. And all of a sudden you've got five, 20 different decks to choose from. And um, I think that you also will be drawn to specific decks when you're reading for specific people. And, so you'll, and, you'll, and, you'll pull, you'll pull the the deck that fits or decks plural that fit with the situation or the person that you're reading for. And also remember that it's not always life and death. A reading's not always life and death. It, it can be silly and fun and it you is know, it, rarely it's okay. life and death. It yeah, is rarely it, life and death. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, you don't need to, get a reading to, you know, figure out if you're going to get married to this person or or whatever. It it can be something, you know, decks can be silly too. And I think for certain decks, so Nightmare Before Christmas, because of how I feel about the movie and how the deck speaks to me, I would read it for only close friends and myself. I wouldn't read it for a stranger. I wouldn't use it to give a stranger a reading. It is a selfish thing. I want to keep the deck to myself, but also I have more accurate cards if that makes sense to use on strangers speaking of friends and family uh joanne Teresa, i want to thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today i'm hoping that you'll continue to be a guest here for many episodes to come can we count on you for next episode yes yes absolutely so much fun (laughs) for sure for sure Thank you very much for joining us today. Greetings, travelers. Welcome to a little segment of the show that I'm going to call the Arcanist's Corner. In the discussion we just had, you know, I tried to keep the focus on Joanne and Teresa, or for any episode, I would want to keep the focus on my guests. This will be a little segment for me to kind of sit down and collect my thoughts and talk to you directly. Maybe 
hopefully I will have some words of wisdom sometimes, but uh, mostly just a chance for me as the learner to kind of reflect. So there are quite a few things that I'd like to talk to you about today. The, the first thing I'm going to mention, so doing this deep dive into the cards that we're planning here, we are going to continue to cover probably four cards per episode. And obviously for, you know, the first 14 episodes, it'll be the twos, the threes, all the way up through the kings. If you're listening and you are just first learning the tarot deck, uh, this means it's going to take a long time to get through the deck. I understand that. I do want you to know, you know, there are ways of interacting with the deck that don't require a complete knowledge of the deck, and you don't necessarily then have to wait for us to get through everything. I will, I'll tell you what it is that I started to do when I first picked up studying the tarot, uh, and that is basically every morning I would just go and I would draw a random card. Uh, I would look up the meaning in whatever text I had handy at the time. And basically, I would I would spend the day meditating on that card, on the perspective of that card. Uh, maybe contemplating uh, is a better term for it. Uh, but I would consider that perspective, the advice that that card gives, the suggestions throughout the day. Uh, I would think about how does this perspective relate to my life? How does this perspective fit in with whatever is going on in my day? And I do think I have found that no matter what the perspective is, on any given day, uh, that perspective is probably worth considering. I mean, take, for example the cards that we worked on today, uh, looking for new opportunities. It's something that's always worth doing, no matter what the day presents to you. So that's what I would recommend, just in terms of if you are learning this deck for the first time, don't necessarily wait for us to get through all the cards. Keep interacting with the deck on your own. Now then, with regard to kind of what we talked about today. When I first started to plan out this podcast, I know a lot of the sources that I'm looking at, a lot of the books that I'm using, they all start out talking about the major arcana. I I have a feeling that tends to be because the major arcana is very exciting. So why did I not choose to start with the major arcana? Well, this was, and this was even before I really had a good handle on what any of the cards were referring to. But I thought, as a learner, what's the best way to learn a large chunk of the deck uh, without biting off too much, right? While keeping it manageable. And I thought, well, if we have four of each of the minor arcana cards, that would be a great way to do it. Uh, we could get those under our belt and have a good foundation then 
to proceed on to the more complicated cards like those in the major arcana. And I have to say, now having learned about the aces and, you know, starting here, I'm really glad that I did. I love, and I'm sure I'm not the first one to say that, but I love thinking of this project as a journey. It's been very kind of inspirational to be going through the steps of creating this podcast while also talking about like specifically the Ace of Wands and beginning this journey. I know earlier uh, in our conversation, Teresa mentioned that when you're dealing with the tarot with someone, when you're giving a reading to someone, your lives become intertwined. And I do want to say that I find it a very romantic notion to think that as a person hosting and producing this podcast, I I need my listeners. So our time is now intertwined. Uh, and I just want to say I really appreciate you listening here. And I hope you're already getting a lot out of this. Last thing I do want to mention, uh, for some of the decks that we are discussing or uh, any of the sources I may mention on this podcast, my plan is to put links to those products through Amazon on our show notes page. So if it is something that you want to look for, you'll be able to find it. You'll be able to see where you might be able to get it or what it is you'd be looking for elsewhere. I will say quickly, I mean, I do myself love Amazon. I do shop there quite a bit. That being said, uh, for some of these tarot decks that we're going to talk about, some of these books, I would ask that, you know, anyone listening, please do support your local crystal shops, your local spiritual bookstores. Please take advantage of that community. That's kind of one of the, the, the community itself. It's one of the more important things that we have, one of the more important tools we have when delving into the metaphysics. So yes, please go support them. Uh, tell them Jeff from Leyline Junction sent you. So again, I do want to thank my guests, uh, Joanne and Teresa, and I think I speak on their behalf as well when I say we're very glad that you joined us for this journey, uh, seeing us take these fledge first fledgling steps. And I hope you tune in again for our next episode when we discuss the twos. And... For any journey that you find yourself embarking on, I wish you well. Until our paths cross again. Leyline Junction is hosted and produced by me, Jeff Sternstein. My guests today were Joanne Beth and Teresa Brigado. We do have an Instagram account, Leyline Junction, no spaces, no underscores. Drop us a line. Jeff's not going to have me in any of this podcast at all.
It's like an inane ramblings for my friend Joanne that could be on the outtakes. <laughs> I'm going on an adventure. <laughs> and if you don't watch where your feet are taking you. <laughs> Um, oh, I forgot my, so my grandma, or my great grandma, my mom's grandma, I guess, read tea leaves. I only had one confusing episode where, like, there was a Snoopy in my tea leaves. Like, the care, it was clear as day. I love it sleeping on top on his, of the on his house. doghouse yes nice it's oh, nice so what I'm does like, it mean I, I don't know but i was i was wandering around for days like this has to mean something no i don't like playing card games period don't like it see i go can... go fish maybe <laughs> I can I can see the association between the suits and the numbers, uh, mm -hmm. but I don't want to suddenly yell out "gin" as I'm doing a reading. Right. Yeah, no. Right. <laughs> or doing a reading for your cats is always funny. Yeah, it's always nonsense. <laughs> it's like Pam and changes to where you'll sleep tonight instead of at the foot of the bed it will be at the head of the bed should i do this should i do this should i do this and i keep getting positive cards but like i'm so doubtful about her i'm so second guessing myself that i'll finally get like the tower card or or some you know a seven of swords or something or ten of swords like did you want a bad card because here it is if you really want it like Okay, you obviously <laughs> want this to not work out. Right. <laughs> it does that sometimes, like the universe does that. They're like, <laughs> Snoopy in the cup. Yep, we just want to play with you. <laughs> <laughs>